Assalamu alaikum. You're listening to Tech Sisters Stories. Tech Sisters is a community that connects you with other sisters who share your story, experiences, and goals so you no longer have to feel like the only one like you on your team. My name is Grace, and I get to interview the amazing women in our community, share their stories, and the lessons they learned. Assalamu alaikum. Today on Tech Sisters Stories, we are very excited to have Sana Siddiqui. Sana is a content writer at Jiro, a legal tech company. Her love of writing goes way back, and she has experienced blogging, reporting, and freelancing for many companies, including the National Zakat Foundation. Sana is also a former teacher, current movie geek, and loves to travel. So I'm so happy to have you on here, Sana. Waalaikumsalam. Yeah, happy to be here. So let's start. How did you first get into this? Into tech generally. Into tech generally. Okay, the big wide world of tech. So it was right out of uni and I kind of didn't really know what I wanted to go into. I think my degree itself was quite broad for that exact reason because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And yeah, I, I came across a clean tech startup and a PR and communications role at that startup and decided to apply because I enjoyed writing. I didn't really know the startup route was a viable one at this stage. I don't think it's marketed as often as like working for a big well-known company or you know firm or an agency but for example Mm. so I wasn't really aware of what it would entail but um yeah that's how I got into tech what stage was that startup at was it just the beginning or was it a scale-up so I think it was post series a it had been around for about five years at that stage sure the reason I ask is that really affects the experience that you have. The energy and the demands are really intense, but in different ways at the different stages of startups. So how did you deal with that? I'm guessing that was a pretty small team when you joined as well. Yeah, it was pretty small. And I think joining as someone with no experience was both a blessing and a curse. <laughs> um because you got thrown in. <laughs> I got thrown in, exactly. I joined and within like the first three months of me being in this PR and communications role, the manager who I was reporting to got another job and left. So it was just me. Oh, yeah. So I was okay. the PR and communications team with three with your months of of three months. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> very, very long tenure before they decide to promote me in that role. Yeah, so I guess on the one hand, as having that as your first job is very rewarding because you pick up so many skills and so quickly and you're, you're kind of expected to learn on the job and try new things and failure isn't seen as like a, you know, taboo subject. It's very much like part of a startup culture to be like, okay, so if you failed from this, what have you learned? Let's try and move on, like do something else with this strategy. So that already worked, I think, in my favor and really helped me understand what I actually enjoy doing, which is mm. writing. So yeah, it, I think it was it was a great first step. That's good. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, that is, that is the thing that we tell people about startups versus larger companies. You know, it, it's different environments for different people and different appetites. But the advantage of the startup is it is very intense, but you will come away learning so much stuff and you will have a very broad amount of experience because you have to wear so many different hats. Exactly. Um, One question though, when you you were saying this is your first job out of uni, how did you find applying for that job? Because usually it's a little, it can be hard to get into startups straight out because they're looking for someone who has a little bit more of experience. 
So I think that it worked in my favor because they were looking for someone junior. Okay. And the startup was expecting that person to develop with the company. Okay. Um, otherwise, you're absolutely right. If they didn't have that leadership team like already in there, they wouldn't have considered my application because that's what they would be looking for, like seasoned pros coming in to actually help them understand what to do with those with those different teams. But yeah, they already had a leader there. Granted, she left three months she later, left, but yeah. <laughs> she was there. She was there. Um, and so they wanted someone who could support her on like the... I guess more of the admin tasks, like filling things in in a spreadsheet, and yeah, all sorts. So, of someone has stuff. to do it. Someone has to do it. Yeah, and <laughs> might as well like, be the junior. <laughs> I'll be me. I'll do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, what was the next step? How did you transition away from that company? Yeah, I took a bit of a left turn at that stage. So, I'd been with that company for about two years, and I felt like partly through my own my own fault because I grew comfortable with what I was doing but also their fault because I wasn't given any kind of developmental like career path I wasn't challenged and I wasn't encouraged to try beyond what I knew I could do I boxed myself in so I ended up doing pretty much the same thing every single day it felt like such a grind at this point Yeah. yeah it was frustrating for me but also it was the result of my own decisions as well so it was kind of yeah it was, I like I could I can see how I ended up there and I can blame you know the company and like the lack of management I had at that point but it was also partly on me so yeah I think at that stage I wanted to do something completely different and I saw a job with Disney and they had this side project, side arm in China, in Shanghai, where they used Disney characters and Disney songs and Disney assets to teach little children English. And I, yeah, so I decided to apply for that and somehow got the job, went through a pretty interesting interview process. And then, yeah, I left for, I left for China for about a year and a half. So that was, that was my next small steps, small steps. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's really exciting. So that is really telling me that you as a person, you just go for things. If it looks like it's going to be interesting for you, then you'll go for it. I think at the time as well, I mean, my current environment definitely encouraged me to do that. Sure. Take that step out. But I think. I remember looking at that role and being like, I could never do it. And being like the thought of going to a country where I don't speak the language to do something which I can do, I've taught before, but something which I wouldn't say I'm excellent at just terrified me. And so to combat it, I was almost like, well, now you have to do it. You have to apply at the very least. You have to see what happens. No way. Like, no way you're going to get it. And then I got it and I was like, okay, this is happening. So it was very much a case of almost challenging myself as well, which is the thing I enjoy doing is, yeah. Okay. All right. So there's this thing where if you feel that like inner voice saying, mm, no, not for me, or I'm scared without like a valid reason for that feeling, then you'll try to go up against it. Yeah. I mean, it's also why I 
agreed to a podcast as well because this is nothing like doesn't that. come to <laughs> thinking doesn't come naturally to me so i was like maybe it's best to just try and do it you know yeah yeah no, but i would like to think to i'm a lot less scary than you are you're very chill i'm enjoying this yeah 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 <laughs> don't um, worry <laughs> that's good feedback yeah alhamdulillah how did your parents react to that because that is a big change yeah, yeah. I remember having that discussion with my parents, <laughs> being like, great news, I got a new job. And they were like, that's amazing. Who's it with? It's with Disney. That's amazing. It's in Shanghai. Ah, okay. <laughs> I think it was a shock to start off with, but Alhamdulillah, they were so supportive. And they were like, if this is what you want to do, then, then go for it. And like, really pray on it and really hope that it's a good decision for you because it's a big change. You, you know, I can't just be going to Shanghai and then a month later be like, I changed my mind. I want to come back. It's just not going to work. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, but they were very supportive. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. I also think it's interesting that you were saying when you were describing getting stuck in that rut at the startup, you said that was mostly you not pushing back and not advocating for yourself enough. This is really an example yeah. of you doing that. You are taking control of your direction. Trying to. Trying yes. to. Trying to. Doing the best I can. Yeah. So how did it go? You're going over in Shanghai and how was that experience? I mean, I, I, to this day, it feels surreal. Like I think back and I'm like, was I really there? Like I was there for how a year and a half. How long was it? A year and a half. Yeah, yeah, a year and a half, and then I'd say about like, yeah, yeah, I think it was about a year and a half. So I had like a contract, and then three months extra on top of that, just to sort of travel around and spend time with the friends I'd made and so on. But yeah, it was just such a surreal experience. It was amazing, and I learned a lot about myself. I learned about you know how I deal with stressful situations, how I deal with adapting to a new environment that's completely different to what you're used to learning new languages, teaching little children English was just, I mean, a challenge and a half, but it was so rewarding as well when they finally, when the, the moment something clicks in their head and they can respond to you in English to a question you've asked, it's like an incredible feeling. It was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. I don't have the words to describe it. It was great. It was so good. I feel like for you being a writer to not have the words to describe something, it is truly remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> True, true. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any cute stories of the kids you're teaching through the Disney songs and characters? Any cute stories? There's this one kid who she was one of my favorites. So the youngest class I had was about three years old. I mean, like tiny, tiny little babies learning English is just adorable. And this one kid, his name, his English name was Zach. And um, he was so naughty. He was such a naughty child. He was just always running about and just, yeah, just very disruptive. When I took over that class, he was very naughty. And by the end of it, he was so well behaved, but he'd often anticipate when he was going to get told off or when he'd done something wrong. So this one time, all the kids were dancing and jumping around and he pushed a little girl over. Oh and God then went by himself to sit on the naughty step. And I didn't see him push the little girl over, but I was like, why are you, why, why is he sat there? What's going on? And I went over and he was like, I pushed a little girl over. It's unacceptable. <laughs> it's so adorable. And he, he really went from being like a disruptive child to almost at times being like an old man trapped in a three-year-old's body. Like it was very, at some, there was a point, there was another song playing 
And all the kids are jumping around and he was stood amongst them just shaking his head. <laughs> I remember being like, why, why, why are you shaking his head? Why are you shaking your head? What's going on? He was like, it's too loud. It's just not, a, it's not appropriate. Oh, he was like, sweet. it's just too loud. Someone's going to get hurt. He was like, lighten up, Zach. Come on. <laughs> he was just he's so cute. Mashallah, he was adorable and really intelligent as well. Mashallah, he was, he was great. <laughs> Mashallah, that sounds so much fun. So, so, so cute. And you were saying that you got to travel around after your contract. And you're saying in your bio that you love traveling. Is this where it started or had you done that before? I've always traveled a lot with my family, alhamdulillah. They love to travel and I think that's played a big role in why I'm always itching for another place to go to and keeping a list of places I want to visit and so on. Definitely came from an early age of having family in different countries, but also wanting to explore as well. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. After your contract, I'm guessing you came back to the UK? I did, yes. And then got out a real job? <laughs> yeah, so I got back and I freelanced for a bit as a writer, and that was mainly because I wanted to see how far I could take it, having no real sort of writing experience but also because I think in the first six months or so I just kind of I, I wanted to re-acclimatize myself and mm -hmm. just spend time with family and friends I haven't seen them in so long I just wanted to settle Settled down it. into it and then yeah after that I I applied for a role with Juris which yeah. is the company I'm at now and it was a content writer role and it was another startup it was a tech startup I had experience with tech startups and I really wanted something that had writer in the title so I could officially call myself a writer instead of it being part of a job I did, it being actually the job I did. The title. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, and thankfully they they offered me the job and here I am. Alhamdulillah. And how is this at Juro compared to the earlier startup? I think coming into Juro, I was apprehensive because the earlier startup was by comparison chaotic. Yeah, And there was a lack of like management, I felt. Well, it's that beginning stage. Beginning stage. Yeah, absolutely. But I also do think it's, it's a product of the leadership and the experiences That's people true. have because Juro was even earlier stage and I, okay. it was so well organized and so considerate and so much more mature than it was at that time that I was, I was just incredibly impressed. And I think that definitely tipped the scales in Juro's favor when I was thinking of whether I wanted to go back into a startup or not. Okay, this is a this is a really good point. So were you able to get that feeling that this is more mature, that these that Juro has processes actual processes in place? Mm. The management. So were you able to get that feeling very soon after joining from the interview process? How soon were you able to verify that this is how their culture actually is? Because it's hard with a startup sometimes. It is difficult. I think I got the impression very clearly from the CEO and co-founder, Richard, who he interviewed me at one stage and opened up the floor to, for me to ask questions and was just very transparent and honest about mm. where the company was at, what we still needed to do, strengths, weaknesses, and so on, which I thought was really admirable. And then I guess on top of that, it really sealed the deal when I when I actually joined in my first week. They sent me an onboarding schedule. Oh my it was god! Like here is everything. You here's a day to day every day. This is what your first you know first we're going to get you on all the systems that we're using every day. 
the next day you're going for coffee with the head of sales, for example, mm -hmm. and you're then learning all about why we do what we do kind of thing. So it was very broken down. It was very organized. And yeah, just I was so impressed just by that because it was very much a case of getting me up to speed as quickly as possible, but in a way that still respected my time and didn't mm -hmm. just bombard me with information. It was, yeah, it was really, it was really great. And I think at that, at that point in the London office, we had nine people. So it wasn't a massive company, but it was nice to know that they already had those habits in place um, because building, building on them later is really difficult. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm really happy that you had that experience coming back in. That must have been a big relief for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It was good. <laughs> it's still good. It's yeah. still good. Yeah. Still great. So it's been, uh, how many, has it been two years now, Jero? It'll be four years in May. Oh, four in years. Oh, so you really like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been a good while. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how quickly it's gone by, but yeah, it's four years now. And how are you feeling with your content writer role? How has that evolved since when you've started? So when I started, it was responsibility for a few channels. So I was responsible for newsletters. I was responsible for blogs and for socials. Mm -hmm. And since then, I've been promoted to content editor and I've taken on still a wide variety, but I feel like my role has been has grown a lot more. We established a community for our ideal customers, like in-house lawyers, which initially before we hired a community and events manager was my responsibility as well, just event management, community management, which I had no experience in. But I you can write stuff, you can handle <laughs> I got this, I got this. But it was it was so rewarding and so enjoyable that there were points where I was like, I don't want to give this up. I I want to keep it. It's it's mine now. We did I'd rather, I'd rather keep it with me. So there was that. And then a lot of project management, which I took on as well. So it wasn't just newsletters, socials and blogs, but it was eBooks and reports. And yeah. Like quarterly publications that we're doing and yeah, all sorts of other content as well that, yeah, I've really enjoyed. That's great. So you're able to use the advantage of the startup and having lots of different peripheral roles. But to an advantage for yourself and not something that's like oppressive. Because before you were saying that you didn't feel challenged enough in your other role that you were getting stuck in a rut. And here it sounds like you're really able to flex around and pick the things that are of interest to you. Yeah, it's very much. Yeah, that's very much the case. And also I have a manager who supports me in that, which mm -hmm. I think is definitely make or break. Like at she didn't the first leave. startup, I didn't, he didn't leave. <laughs> Still here. Yeah. <laughs> First startup, it was very much me doing things on my own, and which would have been fine if I had any kind of experience. Yeah, I had any idea what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, but I did not. So yeah, it's really great to have a manager who's in your corner. He's very much, yeah, he's very much in tune with what I want to do and how to make sure that I'm, I'm doing what I'm best at, basically, which is great. Yeah, I think... Until you experience that, having a manager who supports you and who listens to you and who's advocating for you, it's hard to really appreciate what a good manager looks like. Yeah. Um, when, yeah. you're, when your whole work experience has been average or below average manager experiences, and then you get that one that actually listens, it's, it's such a revelation. It is, right? And then there's so many things which you think are just 
marriage is being extra nice, but it's how marriages should be. It's what their job is. Yeah. yeah. They're like, wait a minute. <laughs> You're managing me. Okay. Okay. Good. This is I got what it. I this it. is like. Oh, learning exactly. and development goals. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's been, yeah, it's been great. Alhamdulillah. And when I joined the company, we were pre-series A and now we're we completed our series B exactly a year ago. So, um, yeah, it's been really nice seeing the company change as well and how my role has changed in that and everything. And how is legal tech, uh, compared to your other experience in green tech? Just maybe the different vibes of of the two. I think they're both quite similar in that people Typically, when you say legal tech or clean tech, think they're incredibly boring because they're both such traditional industries. Like even clean tech is like, you know about solar and you know about wind, you know about hydropower and that's it. And aside from that, you're like, well, what else? What else is, what else is there? And then legal tech, you just think of like, I don't know what people think of when they think of legal tech, but all that comes to my mind now is contract. It's all I see now. <laughs> you whispered it. There's a, there's a little voice in my head that was just like... It's haunting you. <laughs> Forever it will. Yeah, exactly. But well, it's very... Why else um, would you need a legal startup? Because contracts. <laughs> exactly. So they're quite similar in that sense. And I quite enjoyed and still enjoy being part of a company that's changing that narrative around that. So... Mm changing the way people look at legal tech or the, the way people look at clean energy and the different solutions there and also taking that audience away from being you know old old men essentially <laughs> to an audience that's much more diverse and open-minded and progressive which i think is very similar amongst both industries as well mm. yeah that's true alhamdulillah so those are some assumptions about the industries. What do you feel are some assumptions that people have for you or maybe your role specifically? For me, I think if you tell anyone that I am a Pakistani Muslim in tech, they just assume I'm a software developer. Like, I think the creative roles get kind of lost in that in that narrative. I don't think people think of creative roles when they think of anyone doing anything for that's, me that's why it's, we have this podcast that's why we, yeah, yeah yeah it's very much if you are in tech you are a software developer and that's it and it's nice to be able to challenge that and say well you can be in tech and you can be in so many different roles even like you know people roles you have sales you have marketing mm-hmm. so much you can go into that doesn't involve just having like that technical brain you can be creative yeah I think that's probably one of the biggest assumptions. That is a big assumption. That's why at Tech Sisters, it's already such a small niche. We don't need to make it smaller by only doing Muslim women who code. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alhamdulillah. We have a very broad definition of what counts as Muslim woman in tech. Basically, if you see yourself as being in tech and you see yourself as a Muslim woman, you're a tech there sister. You that's yeah. it. You're done. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. But... The reasons why we do that is because we see that the value of working in tech is more than learning how to code or using that tech brain. Like you were saying, that very logical side, it's the 
freedom and flexibility that comes from working at jobs in this industry. Because a lot of our members, when they're going to work, they want to be able to work from home. They want to have flexibility mm. around, you know, if they have kids, if they can do that. They want to work for companies that have a purpose, they're doing tech for good. They want to work at places that are maybe more diverse, that are challenging status quos, like you were saying, not just for old white men. And this is where the energy is, you know, in startups yeah. and in companies in tech. So it's not, you can find your place in this area because it's so broad. Um, yeah. It's... And like, don't get me wrong. Like, I think software developers are great, <laughs> but I think limiting what people can do in that sense is just, it kind of doesn't help with the representation you want to see across different industries especially when it comes mm -hmm. to Muslim women. Like I, I still, I don't think I've ever worked anywhere in marketing where I'm not the first Muslim woman. And it's, it's, it's great in some ways, but also a bit isolating in others because you're like, well, do people not know that this is an option open to them kind of thing? Yeah. I just, yeah. I think it's just maybe the way we were raised or it's just like, you have to be a lawyer, an engineer, a doctor. Or a software developer. Or a software. These are your options. That comes engineer. That's a subcategory. Sub oh, yeah, true, true. Smart. <laughs> it's that smart. logical brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. So we can probably dig into that a little bit more. You're saying that you've never been in a role where you haven't been the first Muslim in that team. How has that been for you? Is it something that is, you know, challenging? Is it something that's draining? Or is it positive sometimes? I think both. I think at times it can feel isolating because it's always nice to have a group of people you can share that with and they don't, yeah, I mean, they don't have to be working at the same company, which is why Tech Sisters is so great because it's nice to know that there's other Muslim women working in tech who you can bounce ideas off of and you can share your experiences with and so on. So it can be isolating, but there's also something quite rewarding about it in the sense that I can build up from scratch how people see me and what they understand of Muslims because all they know is what they've read in the media. So I can change that and I can challenge that by being like, well, this is what any regular working Muslim woman is like. And she's like, all of you, <laughs> there are, here are some things you might not know about Islam that I'm going to educate you on just by being myself almost, which I think is really cool. There's something very rewarding about it. Like last year, I opened up um, my experience with Ramadan to the business. So I had them all participate and um, go to iftars with me and things like that. And it was just, it was so nice. It was so nice to see the support and genuine interest. It also allowed me to disprove any kind of misconceptions that they would have had about it just by being the first Muslim that had doing this and being able to share it with them. Mashallah, I'm so happy that you had that experience with your company and your colleagues. I think this is another thing that really distinguishes these small startup companies when you're the person, they, there's this genuine interest in wanting to know you and wanting to learn more about you to understand and empathize with what you're going through. So I think sometimes when, we, when we're when we faced with the role of being the only person, the only X, 
at work. And Muslim women, we have multiple, multiple layers of the only, right? Yeah. So sometimes that can feel like everyone is looking at you extra closely, like, because you don't fit in. But but usually everyone is just really friendly. You They're treating you kindly. They're judging you based on the quality of your work and not what you're wearing on your head. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. So I, I think it is generally a positive thing. But again, every company is different. And if you are not getting those positive vibes, you have options. You don't have to stay yeah. in that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really unfortunate that every company is not the same. But Alhamdulillah, I think I lucked out with the one I'm at. Yeah. It's it's sad to hear that other people can't do the same at like bigger companies maybe or just like other places but yeah it is what it is but alhamdulillah i think this is kind of this is why it's so important to have groups like this where you can talk to other muslim women and you can get a sense of whether something that you're going through is just like a bad work environment just because maybe they don't have processes or because something is just not right at work or because it's because of bias yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because it can be very difficult to tell the difference when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. What is something that you are most proud of in your career so far, Sandra? I'm trying to think of an example that we haven't covered already. Like, I think going to Shanghai was something that I was incredibly proud of. I was expecting you to say that one. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't, I, yeah, I wasn't sure I'd be able to do it. I did, which, you know sets aside a lot of affirmations for me as well and I guess even just like opening Ramadan to the business is something that I was really proud of because it was such a personal thing Mm -hmm. and I was again terrified of doing it but I decided to just go through it I guess work-wise work-wise I'm proud of everything I do (laughs) I am uh, work-wise, well, sorry, that's a joke. No, I'm not. I was going to say, as a writer, I'm sure that you have frequent edits of like everything that you've done before yeah yeah there's there's the creative brain right creative brain i would say i'm proud of the the community that we've built because Mm -hmm. it started off as a gamble and it's now we're like there's 900 in-house lawyers and they're over 900 and i know so many of them so it's a great opportunity for me from a learning and development perspective if i have ever any questions about the legal industry or anything i know i could just dm them and get that information which is like that is invaluable yeah (laughs) how often can you say that you're getting you know the senior legal counsel at monzo to help you out with something and even in terms of the skills i learned from it like event management and community management was just but just things I never considered, never considered part of my my skill set, and it was something which I had to develop. But it was so much fun, and then obviously it's had an impact on the business as well, like commercial growth and everything, which is the biggest point of all of it. And yeah, it's it's really satisfying to see how it's all played out, and that like I have had a significant part playing that. Alhamdulillah, that is very satisfying. What is something that you regret or you wish you might have done differently? I think I wish I I wish I was a bit more assertive with with vocalizing what I want from my job. Mm. Especially in the earlier days where I if I wasn't satisfied, I wish I expressed this and asked for a promotion or asked for a 
sideways step into a different role or ask for something that would challenge me instead of sitting in that in that role I think now I'm reaching a point where I'm a little bit more vocal but it still doesn't come naturally to me but I'm lucky because I have a manager who looks out for me but if you don't have that you you need to make things happen for yourself and I don't think that comes very easily to me so yeah I think I regret not having spoken to someone who could have helped me out there or not just biting the bullet and going for it and just asking for what I wanted. What do you think would be some ways maybe for you or just some advice generally for somebody who doesn't have a manager who's looking out for them, how and how they can help to advocate for themselves or get used to the idea of doing that? I think having a mentor is just so, so, so important. I mean, I've I'm so fortunate, alhamdulillah, I've had several and they've all been, whether official or unofficial, they might not even know that they're my mentors. But I've had several people who I felt like at any point I could reach out to them and be like, this is what I'm struggling with. What do you think I should do? And I think that's so, it's so important because they can really arm you with the best skills you need to make a to make a stand for yourself I suppose and yeah I just I just think having some sort of official unofficial mentorship is is so important yes I definitely agree I think the the best gift of the mentor is having the wisdom of experience from somebody who's just a little bit further ahead from you who where they they know what you're going through because they fairly recently went through it and they know where you need to be and yeah. so you, they can give you that guidance, that light to help you figure out where your next steps are. Yeah. But yeah, it is, it is something that is super, super invaluable. Um, yeah, I agree. Something or someone that you're most grateful for, Asana? I mean, I could just, again, say all the mentors I've all had, mentors. but to list one in particular, <laughs> at my first role at the clean tech company, after I was done sort of in that weird limbo of managing myself as a one-person team, we brought in another manager to take over PR and comms, which was great. And I learned a lot from her. And she then, I left to go to Shanghai. She okay. eventually left to start her own PR company, which I, I mean, I still to this day think is amazing. Like she does just so much work and she has so much energy and I don't know where she gets it from. But anytime I need any kind of help, she's always there. And anytime I need advice, I can reach out to her and she'll despite being the founder of her own company and jet setting between several locations will make time for me and yeah I just I feel like I'm very very grateful for her for sure I'll probably drop her a message after this to let her know that I'm hyping her up <laughs> yeah mashallah those are the nicest messages especially when they come from out of the blue <laughs> um any final words of advice or last thoughts that you want to have Am I in a position to be giving anyone advice? I mean, this is, okay, maybe advice to yourself. <laughs> advice to myself. <laughs> oh, am I in a position to be giving oh, myself advice? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, all right, all right. I think if you find someone who really looks out for you and is open to helping out, like, do what you can to keep them in your life. <laughs> because they are very important and they will continue to be important. Having that connection and having someone you can turn to is just, it's very important, especially if you're, if you're a minority in, 
in an industry that's typically full of old white men. Thank you very much, Sana. This was really good having you on. I'm so happy that you sharing all this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. And as always, thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. If you liked it and you like what we're doing at Tech Sisters, consider following us, leaving a review, sharing this episode with any friends, or even supporting us on Patreon. All of those really help us a lot. This is a completely nonprofit organization. We're just doing this for Sadaka. So anything that helps more Muslim women find us and discover us and hear the stories is immensely helpful. And if you are a Muslim woman in tech, please go ahead and check out our community. It is completely free and fun and very supportive. You can join by going to our website at tech-sisters.com and filling out the membership form and you will get a link right away into our Slack. So it's really, really easy. And that is all for me. And I'll see you next week. as alaikum.